There may be times in your life, in fact, there will be times in your life that are like that. Times where it is not clear what God has for you. Times when you're not sure about your future direction. And if someone were to ask, you know, what is God doing right now, it would not be clear to you to know the answer. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick. Colin, many people feel like that. They're frustrated. They want to know what God's doing. Yeah. Well, I would say two things to you. The first would be, what you're experiencing is not unusual. And we're going to see that in the Bible today. The story of Joseph, and he's left in this prison, and he's forgotten. And why in the world would God have allowed that to happen? He struggled with that. You're struggling with a situation where you're saying, I just don't know what God is doing. It's not unusual. And the second thing to say is, this is not forever. God will make his purpose plain. It may not be soon, but he will make his purpose plain. There will be a day when faith is turned to sight. And uh, again, we see this in the story of Joseph, that after a time, it became clear that God had a very good purpose in what was happening in his life, and that some very, very wonderful things that actually touched the lives of many, many people came out of what at one time Joseph could not possibly have understood. So I guess that's what faith is, isn't it? We trust God in the darkness to lead us until the time when we're brought into the light. We're in Genesis chapter 41 as we begin this message, Wise and Discerning. Here's Pastor Colin. We begin uh, with Joseph in the prison where we left him last week. You remember he suffered this great injustice. His career has been ruined as far as serving in Potiphar's house is concerned. And uh, we saw that God gave a dream to the cupbearer who was alongside Joseph in the prison. The dream Joseph interpreted, and the interpretation was that the cupbearer would be pardoned, that he would be released, that he would be restored to his position, which was right next to the king himself. And because God had given the interpretation as he gave the dream, this indeed came to pass. And Joseph said to the cupbearer before the cupbearer left the prison, remember me. You're going to be right next to the king. When you get to the king, will you remember me? And we saw how the thief on the cross took up that same request to Jesus. Will you remember me, he said, when you come into your kingdom? And uh, Jesus was a better savior to the thief than the cupbearer was to Joseph. Because at the end of chapter 40, we find that the cupbearer, when he got into the presence of the king, he forgot all about Joseph. Well, thank God we have a savior who will never forget about us, his people. Well, we take up the story um, today in chapter 41, and you'll notice from the first verse that two whole years now pass since where we were at the end of last week. Two years with Joseph just being forgotten. Two years with Joseph being passed over. Two years with nothing of significance that you would record uh, in regards to Joseph's life. No great answers to prayer. No great movement forward in the purpose of God. No great achievement, just two years where day after day it seemed like he was waiting and if you'd asked him what exactly is God doing, I don't think that he could have given you an answer. And there may be times in your life, in fact there will be times in your life that are like that. Uh, Times where it is not clear what God has for you. Times when you're not sure about your future direction. And if someone were to ask, you know, what is God doing right now, it would not be clear to you to know the answer. See, we are able to see what God was doing in Joseph's life because we know the end of the story from the Bible. 
But for Joseph at this point, it must simply have been uh, the pressure of unanswered questions. He's still in the prison. It's a low point in his life, the low point. Why was I beaten up by my brothers? Why have I been carted off to Egypt? Uh, Why have these lies been spoken about me and they've never been corrected? Why is it that I'm here in this prison? Why is it that the cupbearer has forgotten me and it's two years and nothing has happened when I asked him to remember me? Well, I think if I'd been in Joseph's shoes, I would have asked these questions and I expect that you probably would have done the same. But today in chapter 41, we come to the day, the moment where everything changes in Joseph's life. And I want to offer three very simple cameos of the three characters in the story today. We're going to look first at the troubled leader, that's Pharaoh. We're going to look second at the wise counselor, that of course is Joseph, who points us to Jesus. And then the forgetful servant with whom I think we'll identify ourselves. So first then, the troubled leader. Now I want us to look at verse 8, where we are told that Pharaoh's spirit was troubled. And the reason Pharaoh's spirit was troubled was, and many of you know this story well, that one night Pharaoh had a dream. And in the dream, he sees seven fat, healthy-looking cows. It's a beautiful picture because these cows, healthy as they are, are feeding on the lush grass at the side of the river Nile. It's a beautiful sight that he saw in his dream. But then in his dream, something very disturbing happens. He sees seven other cows that are scrawny and they're specifically described as ugly. And in verse 19, Pharaoh says they're cows such as he had never seen before. So think of cows kind of distorted, threatening, frightening animals, and they're emaciated animals, and they have this lean and mean look about them. And what's even worse is that they're coming up out of the Nile, coming up out of the river. You almost need the Jaws music to go with this, because you've got these threatening animals, and they're kind of disturbing all the beauty of this nice scene of the healthy cows that are feeding on the lush grass. And these ugly animals, these threatening animals, they come up out of the water, they stand beside the beautiful, healthy, fat, plump cows, and then they eat them, and only the ugly remains. Now just think about that picture. It it applies in so many areas of life. Everything that is beautiful and healthy is gone. It has all been swallowed up by what is distorted and what is ugly, so that only what is ugly and distorted remains. How often that is the case, for example, in the world of the arts, where that is which is beautiful and healthy gets swallowed up, taken over by that which is ugly, and that which is distorted. How easily that can happen in relationships, that which is beautiful, and that which is healthy, and it just gets consumed by that which is distorted and ugly, so that only what is distorted and ugly remains. It's a nightmare that he has. And he awakes, verse uh, 4, and I expect he was thinking to himself, as, as you do when you have a strange dream like that, what in the world was that all about? And then he goes back to sleep, verse 5, and he has another dream, and it's actually very similar, except this time it's fat ears of grain that are swallowed up by these emaciated thin ears of grain that look as if they have been blighted by a storm or by an east wind. And we read then in verse 7 that Pharaoh awoke, 
And behold, it was a dream. So, verse 8, in the morning, his spirit was troubled. Now, let's pause here and think about this. Here's a leader. And he carries a huge weight of responsibility that's on his shoulders. And his own spirit is troubled. Put yourself in Pharaoh's shoes. People look to this man for leadership. He's a public servant. And the good of many, many people will depend on the wisdom of his decisions and the directions of his leadership. But at the end of the day, he's only a man. And he's been thrust into this position of responsibility and it weighs heavily on his shoulders. He has to make the calls. And there is a loneliness that often comes with high responsibilities in regards to leadership in whatever sphere. Now, added to the weight that is on his shoulders, Pharaoh has this very or these very troubling dreams. And he feels that there is some message that is coming to him in them, but he's not really sure what it is, and nobody in the palace can tell him. And so he calls in the pundits, all of the advisors. Verse 8, he calls for the magicians of Egypt and all its wise men, and he told them his dreams, but there was none who could interpret them to Pharaoh. This is unusual. Whenever was there a day when the pundits had nothing to say, you know? All of the advisors, all of the folks who have spin on every story on all of the media channels, all of the folks who have access to this particular leader, tell them what to do, here's what you should do in this situation. For once, they have nothing to say. And Calvin has a delightful comment on this. He says, God must have shut their mouths because this would be the first time in the world that there had ever been pundits with nothing to say. But they have nothing to say. And this must have made Pharaoh even more anxious. Even the folks that are around me are always telling me what to do. They don't know what to do about this. And that's his position. Now, the troubled leader... Some of you may very much relate to that little cameo. God has put you in a position of responsibility. And you're feeling the weight and the burden of it. Maybe that you're feeling today particular responsibility for your children and their future direction. Or others God has placed in your life. Or it may be that God has given you a position of significant responsibility in business. And the welfare of others in some significant degree hangs on your decisions. Uh, or in education you have responsibility with regards to policy that will affect the good of many, many people or in ministry, or in the wider sphere of the public good of the community, and you have responsibility, and you have to make calls, and the weight of it hangs upon you. I want us to take away from this little cameo today from the Bible, that we have a responsibility to pray for those who carry the weight and the burdens of responsibility, especially in public life. Those who serve the community, our elected officials, leaders on whose wisdom the good of many, many people will depend. And friends, 
this is an area where we really need a distinctive Christian witness. And I'll tell you why. You know that we are living in a time and in a culture that is becoming increasingly cynical about leaders, about any leaders. That's the spirit of the age in which we live. And one of the great tragedies for a culture that becomes by default cynical about any leaders in any sphere is that such a culture no longer produces or attracts people to positions of leadership. You can find that in the Old Testament scriptures where at one point children are becoming the leaders, the prophet says. Why? Because they can't get people of ability to step up because the whole culture has undermined the very fabric of what it means to lead. Now we are living in a culture that is increasingly marked by that disease. And we desperately need a distinctive Christian witness in regards to this. And what is that witness? We are to remember that God calls us as Christian believers to pray for our leaders. 1 Timothy in chapter 2, check it out. We are to pray for those who live under the pressure of complex decisions day after day after day. And in our arrogance, it's so easy for us to think, oh, well, we would do this and we would do that. And most of the time, we haven't the faintest idea. The weight and the responsibility of those who serve in public office. And if, like Pharaoh, those who serve in public office do not know God and do not walk with God, we should pray with them all the more. We should pray for them all the more because if it is a weighty thing for a person who knows and walks with God to carry the burdens of leadership, how much more of a weight and a burden is it for someone like Pharaoh who carries all this weight of responsibility, is troubled within his own spirit, does not know what to do and does not even know God. For such we should pray even more. So let us pray for those who are in public office. Let us pray for others in the congregation who will rise to take positions of leadership as you are called to take this and this interest is laid upon your heart. It is a wonderful and a significant thing to do. But as God's people, we should encourage those who lead. We should help them. We should pray for them. And we should encourage others to join them. So that's the first cameo. And it's really important. The troubled leader. You're listening to Pastor Colin Smith and the message Wise and Discerning on Open the Bible. When we come back, we'll be looking at the wise counsellor. If you ever miss any of our broadcasts, you can always catch up by going to our website, openthebible.org.uk. There you can listen again to any earlier broadcasts. You can stream directly from the website or you can download an MP3 for free. We'll get back to the message now, Wise and Discerning. Here's Pastor Colin. Now, here's the second cameo. The first is the troubled leader. The second is the cameo of Joseph, and I've called this the wise counselor. The wise counselor. Now, the cupbearer, when he sees how troubled the king is, suddenly remembers Joseph. And, of course, he's embarrassed that he has not remembered Joseph before. And so he blurts out this apology, really, in verse 9. He says, I remember my offenses today. And what he says to the king is basically this, Pharaoh, there was a time when I was in exactly the same position as you. 
It was two years ago I was back in the prison there because of my offences. And I had a dream. And I had absolutely no idea what it meant, but there was a man there who told me, and what he said came true. Well, of course, this was wonderfully good news for Pharaoh. Well, where is this man? Well, I should have mentioned him to you before, but actually he's still there in prison as far as I know. And, well, get him. And so Joseph gets the call. And suddenly, in one day, there's this amazing transformation. And as you read through the story, the, the details are recorded in quick fire succession. I mean, imagine this. He's been languishing in prison for years. And suddenly gets the call, you've got to go into the presence of the king right now. And so suddenly he's got to get himself shaved and he gets uh, uh, new clothes put on and he's immediately ushered into the presence of the king. It all happens so fast. It makes me think about that verse in the New Testament that says that in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. That's going to happen for every believer. And I think that's what it was like for Joseph. Suddenly, from the prison to the palace, and it just all happened and What an astonishing transformation that must have been for this man. Now, the troubled king then tells his uh, story and his dream to Joseph. And Joseph gives the interpretation. Verse 25, the two dreams have one meaning. And the meaning is this, that the seven thin cows that eat the seven fat cows, and for that matter, the seven thin ears of grain that eat the seven fat ones, What this speaks of is that seven years of plenty will be followed by, swallowed up by, taken over by seven years of famine. And since this is going to happen, Joseph counsels Pharaoh to appoint someone who is going to be wise and is going to be discerning and will implement a strategy, a strategy of preparing for the future by saving a fifth of the harvest during the years of plenty so that there will be an adequate supply of food during the years of famine. Now, the two words that are really important at this point in the story are the words wise and discerning, which is why they're in the title of the message today. They come twice. Verse 33, Joseph says to Pharaoh, Let Pharaoh select a discerning and wise man and set him over the land of Egypt. Verse 39, Pharaoh says to Joseph, since God has shown you all this, there is none so discerning and wise as you are. The story is about the discerning and wise counselor, Joseph. Now, obvious question, what does it mean to be discerning and wise? What would it mean for you, for me, to be wise and to be discerning? Well, clearly there are many, many answers to that question, but in this story there are two answers in particular. The first is to be wise and to be discerning will mean that we restrain indulgence in times of plenty. That's the first point, really, that Joseph is making. That in years of plenty, when God prospers you, it is easy to become extravagant and to become wasteful, to get carried away with these resources that you have and not to steward them wisely. 
And Joseph is saying we really have to make sure that that does not happen here because the seven years of plenty are going to be followed by seven years of famine. So let's make sure don't waste what you have been given. Uh, Restrain indulgence in times of plenty. And then to be wise and discerning means a second thing that we take reasonable measures to provide for the future. And again, Joseph discerns that what this will mean in that particular situation is that a fifth of the harvest should be put in store for seven years to be saved up in anticipation of uh, the uh, years of famine that are to come. And Joseph sets out a brilliant plan that has details of where the savings are to be made and how the stewardship is to be exercised. Uh, It's all there in the plan that he lays out. And it is a remarkable model of wisdom and discernment from someone who at this point in the story is only 30 years old. 30 years old. And he has this wisdom from God that in order to be wise and to be discerning, we need to restrain indulgence in times of plenty so that we do not become wasteful, that we do not go after things that end up putting us in a worse position in the future when our circumstances change, and that we take reasonable measures to provide for the future. Pastor Colin Smith and part one of the message, Wise and Discerning, looking at Joseph, a wise and discerning counsellor. We'll continue this message in our next broadcast, so I hope you can join us then. And if you ever miss any of the broadcasts, you can always catch up by going to our website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is only able to come to you as a result of your generosity in supporting the work. This month, if you're able to commit to a regular donation of £5 or more, we'd like to send you a free copy of a book. The book is called Holiness, and it's by J.C. Ryle. Colin, I know this is one of your favourite books. What makes this book, Holiness, so unique? One of my all-time favourite books, and the reason for this is that there are some books that just help you make sense of your own experience as a Christian, and that's what this book, Holiness, has done for me. On the one hand, the Scripture tells us that being justified by faith, we have peace with God. And on the other hand, we all know as Christian believers that having peace with God, we're also involved in a fight. We're in a battle against the temptations that we face and find in our own flesh. And the Bible says without holiness, we will not see the Lord. So how in the world do you hold these two things together? And what has been so helpful to me in this book is that Ryle shows how you hold these two things together. He actually says straight up that a Christian is a person who is at peace and in conflict at the same time. And yet you can tell a real Christian as much by his conflict, that is his own inner conflict with sin and temptation, as you can by his peace. Now, that begins to open up a whole world of understanding as to what Christian experience is really like. So I go back still to this book again and again. I quote from Ryle many, many times. It's been one of the great sources of biblical wisdom in my life, and it's just a joy to be able to share this book with our audience this month. 
It's called Holiness, written by J.C. Ryle, and it's our gift to you this month for supporting Open the Bible with a regular donation of £5 or more. And starting this month on Open the Bible, you can hear Pastor Colin Smith's daily devotional read by Sue McLeish. Every day there's a new two- to three-minute reflection. It's a great way to start the day. Go to openthebible.org.uk For Open the Bible and Pastor Colin Smith, I'm David Pegg, and I hope you'll join us again next time. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production. Jesus says, come to me. Now, why would you want to do that? Find out next time on Open the Bible.